Welcome back to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. I really do love hearing from listeners of this show. Email is great. Social media DMs are perfectly fine, too. But actually talking with you is ideal. I will have more on that coming up. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Las Vegas, my guest is a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, Grammy Award winner, and the original drummer and co-founder of the legendary band Chicago. Critically acclaimed as an instrumentalist and a composer, Rolling Stone magazine has ranked the father of jazz rock as one of the top 100 drummers of all time. His storied career has also included producing, as well as working with a variety of Broadway musical and theatrical projects. In 2020, he received the Recording Academy Lifetime Achievement Award, and the former CEO of Guitar Center calls him one of the top five living drummers. He also published a memoir titled Street Player, My Chicago Story, and he is still active today performing with his band, the California Transit Authority. You've been hearing a song of theirs called Introduction. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Danny Serafin. Hey, Bruce. Good morning to you. Um, actually, actually, it's afternoon where you are. Um, <laughs> Introduction is, is a song that is near and dear to my heart. It's just a great song. Uh, it really, it, it kind of stretches, uh, stretches the musician in me and everybody else who tries to play it uh, from the original Obviously, the Chicago Transit Authority album, and we did a CTA, the, the latest incarnation of CTA, uh, California Transit Authority, did a cover of it and uh, kind of did it our way, changed a little bit, but the essence of the song is still there. Uh, it still lays down, here we are, check us out, you know, and we're doing the best we can do to try to play this great piece of music. I'm excited to hear you talk about when you say it challenges you. Explain to the audience what that means, because unfortunately, we don't really get too many opportunities on this show to hear from guests that have that kind of insight into actually performing a song. Well, what I mean is, is first of all, it has, it's got four different time changes in it. Mm. It's got tempo changes in it. It's got a section of 198, you know, normal, but let me just tell you. Uh, pop music, rock music, jazz, and you know R and B is usually in what's called four four time. Right. And most of the music you hit, well, this song has a section of nineteen eight in it, mm. and it's got a section of, of three four. Then it goes, but it, it's just an, it's just a challenging piece of music to pull it off and play it with the fluidity and, and uh, smoothness of you know making it feel like it's in four four. But that's the challenge and. That's why I love this song so much. It was written by the late, great Terry Katz. Is that a case, Danny, of where you're performing it and you know all of what you just said is going on and you think to yourself, I really wish the audience understood and appreciated how much is really happening in the song? Or is it, no, you know, I just get my own enjoyment out of being able to face that challenge? Well... I, I, you know, I, I don't think about it wishing the audience could count 19 eight because it's <laughs> incredibly complicated. But what I do want, is, is I know, you, I know they know that it's a, it's a daunting piece of music, and and if they're original Chicago fans from the first album, they'll recognize it and you know appreciate it. Uh, it's kind of a tribute to to my dear dear friend and who I lost many many years ago, Terry Katz. You know, so. The band, you know, the band, uh, our band, current band, just respects the, the original Chicago, grew up with this guy. Most of those guys grew up with that music and have a great appreciation for, you know, the musicianship and, and challenge of it. Yeah. So, yeah. no, I just, I just get off doing, I just get off doing it and, 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 and take pride in the fact that at uh, 74 going on 75, I can still play it. You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> Last year, a former Chicago band member and vocalist joined the California Transit Authority. Share with the audience who that is, as well as another notable singer who is part of your band, and for that matter, who the other CTA members are. Okay, yeah, Jeff Coffey, who was the bass player, played, he replaced Jason Sheff. Um, I don't know the exact years. You might know better than me, but he's a he's a really really great singer and a, and a great guy. He's a really good person. Uh, he does the Peter Cetera vocals as good as anybody you know that I know. And and he's, and he's just uh, he's a great bass player, a great person, and he fits in well with the band. It's, it's he's not exclusive to the band. He has other projects, but we love it when uh, when, he, when he performs with us. It's a it's a real treat. It brings the a sense of authenticity to to the band that you know that's that's hard to to, to duplicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other members of the band, like the original uh, core members, are Mark Benia on guitar. Mark Mark Benia is one of the to me to me one of the great greatest guitar players in the world, and I, I truly believe that. Um, you know, the late Keith Emerson agreed with me. Mm. Uh, and and then there's Ed there's Ed Roth, our keyboardist, who's he's world class. I mean he plays with Robbie Krieger, Joe Walsh, you know, uh, he's played with Julio, and, you know, he's just played with such a diverse uh, mix of artists, and he's one of the core members of CTA as well, and and then there's Travis Davis, who wasn't with us in the very beginning, and Travis is on bass, and sings lead, sings the Terry Kath parts, great singer, great player, great human being, and then, you know, like, we have... Jeff on vocals. We also occasionally have Tony Tony Grant, who's now the lead singer with the Temptations. So, you know, we have an embarrassment of riches at vocals, and and uh, you know, we have a section, a horn section we use in Florida. We have a horn section we use in L.A. And honestly, I believe this band does Chicago as well, or better than anybody. Wow. I make that statement with pride, not not arrogance at all, because uh, it's a, the Chicago Songbook is something that. Uh, I'm really proud of and proud to have been a part of. While we're making some references to Chicago, I would love to hear your story about hearing the song Make Me Smile on the radio for the first time. <laughs> yeah, Make Me Smile is a, is a move. James Panko wrote this brilliant piece of music entitled The Valley for Roland Buchanan. It was a multi-movement uh, classical rock jazz rock piece. Um, and I think we recorded it in 1970, 71. I, it just happens to be, it's the beginning of that piece and the very end. Well, we were in those days we were signed to Columbia records and, you know, they were, we had these long songs. Most of our songs were five, six, seven minutes, you know, and in those days to get on the radio, it had to be three, three and a half, nine, you know, no more than three and a half minutes. Uh-huh. So, Clive Davis uh, came up with the idea of editing. Uh, you know, it was a brilliant idea, really. He ended the beginning of the ballet to the end, and that created Make Me Smile, mm. the song Make Me Smile. And it was just magical. And so I'm driving, you know, this was before we really, I mean, we were kind of the darlings of FM radio, and I was still driving a Volkswagen Beetle with 150,000 miles on it, you know. <laughs> and I'm driving, I'm driving, and on the, on the San Diego freeway and, you know, it's a warm day in Southern Cal, nothing like it, right? And and all of a sudden I hear an AM radio, because uh, that, that, that car didn't have an FM radio. <laughs> I hear an AM radio, and here's the latest hit from Chicago, and I'm going, what? And I heard this song, and, and, and it's the first time I had ever heard it spliced together. And I, I pulled over to a payphone. There weren't cell phones in those days. <laughs> And, and I called our manager and I was swearing at him, saying nasty things to him. How could you let them do that to our music? And, you know, he's, he said, Danny. I said, what? He said, it's being played on 75% of all the AM radio stations in, in the country. And I said, oh. <laughs> I, said, I, said to him, I said, can I go buy a Mercedes tomorrow? <laughs> and he said, yes, go buy a So I went and bought a Mercedes and I've been driving them ever since. That's my Mercedes. It's it, it's really funny because wow. you know I changed my tune really I changed my tune really quick because wow. it really uh, made me smile. Open the door. I mean, in one sense, we we st- we went from being 
know, band of these stretched out long, you know, extravagant arrangements to starting to, to make hit songs, you know. And it was the first hit for us. And then it opened, it started a long string of many hits. So, uh, Make Me Smile is a, a pretty interesting story. Well, I love that story that you just told for a couple reasons. Number one, when you first started, even before you got to the driving part and talked about Clive coming up with that idea of splicing it, that was my first thought is, wait a minute, if I'm one of the writers on that song, I'm thinking, hey, you're bastardizing our work. Don't touch this. It was fine as it is. And that was and that ended up being your attitude. And then when you said about hearing it on the radio, I thought you were going to say, oh, my gosh, I was so elated. I was hooting and hollering. And, and instead, it was you're infuriated and pull over to the phone. So what a great story that is. Yeah, I was infuriated for, for a few minutes. And then once I realized tomorrow I'm going to go buy a Mercedes, I'm going to get rid of this old Volkswagen. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, it was a great, it was kind of a great, uh, you know, it was a great time and place to be in the music industry, you know? No doubt, no doubt. California Transit Authority is performing in a variety of locations. This month, the Rock and Romance Cruise, which is on Celebrity Cruise Line in May. The band has two dates in Illinois. CTA will also perform at the Java Jazz Festival in Jakarta, Indonesia. Danny, wow, no slowing down for you and the band. That's quite a nice lineup of shows. Yeah, see, you know what? I, 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 I still love to play. I still feel, I still play at a high, a high level. Um, and while I can, I'm going to keep playing. You know, we're also playing the villages in Florida. You know, outside in outside Orlando. You know. Um, which we play every year. I love playing there. And it's just, you know, uh, I love connecting with the audience. You know, I, it's not, I'm not playing to big, huge crowds. I mean, they're big enough, you know, but it's, it's just great to still be able to play the music that I, I, I loved and, you know, breathed and slept and ate and drank and, you know, for 23 years. And this band, like I said, I think this band plays it as well as anybody in the world, you know, anybody. Well, I love where this conversation has gone because it brings up a question that I kind of held back earlier on when you talked about the challenge of performing the song introduction. I thought to myself, hmm, I should ask him, does he have to kind of practice on his own and rehearse that song when he's got a big show coming up? And now that you're saying what you're saying, it does make me wonder because you said you still enjoy it, but does someone like you practice Daily, weekly, is it we just rehearse as a band? What does that look like? Well, it's a combination of the two or three. You know, I I have a practice pad, which is every every dedicated drummer has close to him to keep my hands and, you know, keep my, you know, my technique. And when we get close, I have a, a really good set of uh, electronic drums in my house. So they actually nowadays they replicate an acoustic set pretty well. But um, so when we we get start getting close to when we're going to be touring or doing a show, I'll start running over some songs and, and different sections of songs that might be challenging. Uh, and you know, it's just yeah, I keep I keep active. Do I practice as much as I should? Probably not. But um, I, you know, I spend a lot of time on the golf course too. So let's let that sit with the audience for a minute. Those of you in the audience who are aspiring performers who think. I've been at it long enough. I don't need to practice. I don't need to rehearse. I got this. It's muscle memory. This is Danny Serafin, who's been playing for years and years and years and years. And you just heard him say that he does practice and the band does rehearse. So if you think that there is no need for practice or rehearsal, you might want to revisit that. And Danny, I'm sure you would second that for the young people that are listening. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoy working on my craft still and uh, you know, I have a, I feel like I have a standard that I have to uphold every time I step on that stage. So mm. I don't ever want to make a fool of myself. And the day, the day that I feel like I really can't do it anymore, I'll probably stop. That's not, you know, I don't see that anywhere near in the near future, to be honest with you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. There's something that you just mentioned in there. Let's go back to it. As busy as you are in music, thankfully, you do get the opportunity to step away and into other things. You participate in many charities and golf tournaments, including with some notable names from the music world. Tell us about some of that. Yeah, I, I, we have a, we have our, our own little community. Uh, uh, there's Tommy Thayer, who's the lead guitarist with, with Kiss. 
Rodney Krieger, of course, of Doors of the Doors, is a really, really dear, close friend. Jason Sheff, former Chicago member, you know, uh, and, and there's a bunch of guys. Wally Palmer with the Romantics, Elliot Easton with the Cars, mm. John Elefante with Kansas. Alice Cooper, I believe. Yeah, oh, Alice Cooper, yeah. I can't forget Alice. Yeah, Al- Alice and I, we go back, oh, 40 years, 50 years. Mm. We're still, uh, we're still good friends. Yeah, so I have a great, great time with these guys. I play golf with them. We play music. You know, we, you know, it's just a great, it's a great community. And we, we, you know, we play music for a higher cause. You know, yeah. nothing better than that. Is there one or two particular charities that you've really endeared yourself to that that maybe you tend to to say yes to fastest or or look for opportunities to to do something in conjunction with? Well. To be honest, uh, you know, St. Jude's is always near and dear to my heart. You know, when uh, Make-A-Wish is, is what we've done, some shows for them. Um, in Concert for Cancer, it's out of Seattle, Washington. Um, it's a wonderful, they're just, you know, you could go on and on. I mean, we, it's, it's whenever we have a chance, yeah, I feel, I feel like I've had a great life. And, um, I feel like I, I have to take, give back where I can, you know, and it's and the one way that I can really give back is music and, and, you know, trying to mentor younger musicians and younger people and, you know, help them through some of the things that I had to struggle through. Mm. So, but anyways, it's just, just being able to help a cause uh, means a lot to me. And hopefully, you know, I mean, I, I feel like we do a lot of good, all of us, you know, individually as a team, uh, we're getting ready to do uh, on April 30th a fundraiser for with, with the George with the George Lopez uh, Foundation. Mm. You know, and that's we're just putting that together, and uh, really looking forward to doing that. So you know, it's it's just a great. You know, honestly, it's it's we did a we did a show um, before Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's up last Christmas in um, Napa and it was a tree lighting celebration and, you know, it was for many first responders and, you know, a lot of people of that, you know, uh, and it was such a beautiful audience and the feeling between the band and the audience was just, it was like, it was magical. Mm. So, you know, you, you can't, you just, you, it gives me energy and it gives me purpose to be honest with you, uh, to be able to do that. Just wonderful. Just wonderful. Speaking of non-music endeavors, I mentioned in the intro that you did a memoir titled Street Player, My Chicago Story. An audience, that book, by the way, can be purchased from Danny's website. In just a minute or two, I will be giving you that website address as well as the different social media platforms you can find Danny on. Anyhow, Danny, in the book, I'm sure you probably talk about this, but while I said that you're calling in today from Las Vegas, there was a period in your life when you settled in Colorado for the opportunity to devote more time to your family, including growing closer to your six children. As much as everyone always wants to hear the sexy stories from a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer about the music, the concerts, etc., what you did then, that Colorado and family reference I just made, in my opinion, is just as important for people to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's all part of the fabric of your life, the tapestry of, you know, what changes that you, the the changes of, that you go through in life, you know, and and having to adapt and adjust and and grow from them. You know, I grew from that. Um, I grew from the adversity that came when the band fired me. Uh, You know, it was was painful. It was soul wrenching. But, you know, it it just teaches, it taught me what I might have done to, to bring that on and what I, what I can do and what I can do better to make sure that doesn't happen or to make up for maybe some of the things that, you know, that happen along the way, you know? And so I feel like I'm a better person for that. And, 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 and the result, a better drummer, a better musician. Um, in many ways, I'm a better drummer than I've ever been. Uh, I, and like, like a, like an older retired base, baseball player, I replaced my, my uh, fastball with a wicked slider, mm. so to speak, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just think that, you know, we have to learn as we go. We have to. If we don't learn, we're doomed to make the same mistakes. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's, you really want to, I want to do better, 
I want to live better and I want to treat people the way I like to be treated, you know, the way, and, and use that as a, my standard, you know, nowadays, you know, I've made mistakes along the way and, you know, I've always tried not to hurt anybody and done my best not to, but they haven't always succeeded. But I know one thing, I'm, I'm living an honest, clean life right now. Mm. I love that explanation because as much as none of us enjoy adversity and none of us go looking for it, if you don't grow from adversity, then dare I say it's a missed opportunity. There's no doubt about it. You know, there's no doubt about it. And it's easy not to, it's easy just to kind of feel a victim or whatever. I was in this, but you know, you take a look in the mirror and see, well, what did I do? What, what did I do to bring this on? You know, what was my part in this? And, and that's kind of the, the, the probably the biggest lesson and most important is owning owning what, what your part was and learning from it. You know. So then, on the theme of that move that you made to Colorado, as much as we hear lots of guests on this show who talk about packing up from their hometown and moving to Nashville to try to break into the music business, when and why did you move to Las Vegas? And as a potential teaching moment for the aspiring entertainers who are listening. Do you recommend it as opposed to, say, Nashville, L.A., New York? Well, Vegas is more of a, uh, you know, it's it's more of a stop-off point for me. It's been it's good for this part of my life, you know. Um, Lifestyle-wise, I belong to the, to the golf club. I, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of there's a lot to offer here, music-wise, and but you know, still L.A., Nashville. Um, New York, you know, are still probably the the greatest, you know, music meccas uh, in the in, at least in the United States and probably the world. But you know, for, for me, that's not where I need to be right now. You know, I mean, I, I love LA, and the great thing about Vegas is it's 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 basically, you know, it's a hop, skip, and a jump to LA, and I go there all the time. Mm-hmm. So. I visit my family. I have friends, and I still do a lot professionally there. And um, Vegas is a, is a great place because it's affordable, uh, nice people. You know, that, you know, people don't realize how nice people are here. Really nice people. Mm. And there's a great and there's great talent there. So, you know, I I think I think Vegas is a good stopping a starting point or stopping point. You know, mm-hmm. but it's hard to re, it's hard to beat Nashville. L.A. or New York, but uh, Vegas is, is a cool place. There's no doubt about it. You know, there's a, you know, and and it's just some place that you can, you know, make a living playing music. You know, Vegas is, is a place where you can do that. Now, that's not where I'm. At. That's not while I'm here. Why I'm here, but uh, you know, while I'm here, I'm going to enjoy it. I have a great house. Uh, it's in a really good area. You know. And there's a lot of nice people here. <clears throat> and some friends, there's friends from that, that, that are from L.A. And, and some of my colleagues have moved here. And, um, you know, there's there's reasons. There's financial reasons. And that, that, that makes it a little bit easier for us old, old retired, old rock stars, I guess you call it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know it's hard for me to think of myself as a rock star. And people say, what's a rock star? I always say rock star. Well, I, I have to say I don't agree. But, you know, I like being... I like just being a musician, you know, uh, who loves what he does and rock star thing. Well, I, that's my past. And mm-hmm. That was great and all that. And, but I'm just happy to be, be at peace and playing music and, uh, you know, make, hopefully making the world a little better place. You know? And when did you move to Las Vegas? Well, it'll be four years in May. So. Oh, okay. And this is my fourth year here. Fourth okay. year here. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Las Vegas by drummer, composer, producer Danny Serafin. Visit his official website at dannyserafin.com. I will have a link to his website on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. On Danny's website, you'll find plenty to engage with, including the tour dates section, which is self-explanatory, and the store section where you will find not only Danny's book that he talked about, but CDs, vinyl, DVDs, and other merchandise. Find and follow Danny on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Plus, the California Transit Authority is on Spotify, so do give the band a follow on there. You can also purchase downloads of their music from iTunes. 
What about Bruce? What about me? How can you contact me? It's important to me that you understand how much I want feedback from the audience. And it's also important that you understand that what I'm going to tell you about is not a sponsor, okay? They're not paying me to talk about them. I'm not telling you that this is the next best thing, but I'm also not saying that it's not the next big thing. Owl, with two W's and two L's, like the the bird, Owl is an app that's free to download that enables you to make really great connections. I have found some musicians on there that I'm going to be calling through that app. I saw someone who is in entertainment, meaning Hollywood, not music, and I'm going to be calling her too. And are you ready for this? I just found out two days ago that the guy who created the Saw movies, you know, the horror genre, the Saw films, even he is on the Owl app. That means that you can call him too, not just me. Here's how to get started. On my podcast website, nhte.net, tap or click anywhere that says home, or by the way, you can instead just head directly to nowhearthis.net, and of course that's H-E-A-R. Either way, you're going to want to look for and dive into the article under the headline, Help Now a Phone um, App Call Away. And in that article, you will find not only links to get OWL either from the App Store or Google Play, but the invitation code in there that you will need because it's a required field as you're setting it up on your phone. Get on there. Give me a call. Let's chat. Danny, someone who has been playing as long as you have, I'm curious as to what drums you're playing these days, and for that matter, will I see you next month in Anaheim at the NAMM show? Wow. I had to... You caught me off guard. I, I... I, I'm just not even thinking about the NAMM show. But, yeah, I better get my butt in there if I'm <laughs> available. First, let's, let's, let's answer your question. I play, I've been playing DW, DW drums since uh, 1986. Wow. So um, um, I love them to me. Uh, they're family to me, and they're beautiful drums. They're, each of them is like a, a work of art, you know? They're... Uh, you know, I just I enjoy playing them every time. They're inspiring me for me to play. They and I know the other drummers uh, who came on after I did. You know, once I went with DW, I was one of their first big name guys, so to speak. Chicago was at that time in the in the midst of our '80s, you know, Renaissance. So you know, I love them. So and, and yes, the, the Nam show. Yeah, but it, you know, I mean, I. I haven't, you know, since you know the the pandemic's changed so so much, you know, yeah, um, so much that uh, you know haven't gone. I, I haven't gone to the to, to the, uh, but to, if it's in April, and if I can be there, you know, I, I will definitely go. Yeah, you know? April thirteenth to the fifteenth are the dates. It kind of got knocked around, like you said, by the pandemic, because as we all know, it's always in January. Yeah. And last year it was in June. This year it's in April. And then next year it's going to finally be back to January. So April 13th to the 15th for this year. So hopefully we'll see you there. Maybe you'll be hanging out with the the DW Drums folks, and I can come and meet you over there. Oh, I will be, yeah. DW, Zildjian, you know, Promark, uh, not Promark, but my my, uh, Aquarian drum head. And uh, Zildjian is my symbol and stick company, and you know, uh, there's you know, there's a bunch of companies that I endorse and have affiliations with, and yeah, this is the the NAMM show is where I it was always so great to to hang with them and you know just spend time, you know. So hopefully this year it'll be you know there'll be some of that that's back now, you know, because uh, I've missed I've I've missed it for the last few years, you know. No doubt. No doubt. I'm curious, what about new music? Is there any writing or recording currently in the works or maybe being planned, presumably, for California Transit Authority? Well, I've told the guys that I'd like to make a new CD this year or within the next two years, you know, you know, new new material, probably a few covers, cigar covers, but just new, mostly new material. Um, I'd like to, there's, there's a few, there's a couple of projects that I'd like to try to get done, you know, in between keeping the band working and, and booked and stuff. So, you know, uh, but nothing, there's nothing concrete that has been started yet. But, uh, I, I, I do want to, and I know the guys in the band would like to as well. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like not yet, but stay tuned. <laughs> it, that's about it. Perfectly well said, you know. Besides music, there's something else that you and I have very much in common, which is being big sports fans. You have had the Raiders for a couple of years now in Vegas, and then I understand that you also root for teams from 
uh, I won't steal your thunder. You can tell the audience what other cities' sports teams you root for. And by the way, is it all of them or, say, just one or two particular sports? Well, I'm, I'm a big Bear. I'm an old Bears fan, of course, Chicago Bears, right? And, I, uh, you know, I'm a big White Sox fan. And I grew up as a White Sox fan. And I, I root for the Cubs as, as much as they're from Chicago. And my father was a died a broken-hearted Cub fan. But, you know, I, I want to see the Cubs do well. And when they won the World Series, I was very happy. Uh, you know, I tend to root for Chicago teams and now Vegas teams. You know, I lived in L.A. for a long time. I lived in, in Colorado for 12 years. So, you know, it's kind of it gets a little bit convoluted and confusing <laughs> who I'm going to root for. You know, I mean, the, lately the Chicago teams have been out of playoff contention, so I've had to go to my secondary. You know, the Raiders are, you know, and Raiders didn't make the playoffs, uh, you know. So, you know, it's the, I was happy when the Rams won the Super Bowl. So, it's, oh, I see. you know, it's kind of, but, but my, my heart is still always going to be in Chicago. It's really, it, you know, the, we hold on, we really, you know, we hold on to our, our Chicago teams. I mean, I think a lot of people do, whatever their hometown as a kid was, you know, right? Okay, so if the Raiders are playing the Bears, who are you rooting for? Bears. Whoa, didn't even have to think about it. Wow. Wow. No, no, no. I didn't. I mean, I, I, you know, but let, let me put it to you this way. If the Raiders had to win, had to, if the Raiders won and would go to the playoffs and the Bears were had no chance, I would be rooting for the Raiders. Uh, it's pretty okay. crazy, I know. It's <laughs> kind of like a fair-weather fan, but, you know, you still have to, there has to be some respect for where you live, too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, Bruce, it's a tough, that's a tough one, but you know what? <laughs> I enjoy it, you know, and uh, like everyone else. Probably put too much emphasis on sports. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, you've seen the music industry change so, so much over the years, from analog to digital to streaming, from vinyl and eight tracks to cassettes and CDs. A lot, a lot of artists get so fed up with it all and will complain to anyone who will listen, and yet you have continued on. The debut album for Chicago Transit Authority came out in 1969, and now here we are in 2023, and you're still performing, still being interviewed about music. How have you maintained a mindset that has enabled you to have such a long career rather than getting discouraged by the way the business has changed so much? Well, there's been times when I have been discouraged. i got to be honest with you. Um, but as long as there's an audience for me to play in front of and there's people that enjoy the music uh, that I perform, you know, I'm grateful because um, what I'm most proud of, let me just get on a, on a soapbox, what I'm most proud of with the Chicago Songbook is that, you know, 50-plus years later, the music still sounds great. Um, it still sounds fresh. It still sounds electric. It still sounds, it has emotion, passion. And I'm proud of that. More than, more than uh, you know, the Hall of Fame and, you know, the, you know, all the, the platinum albums and all the hits. And, I mean, that's all great, believe me. And having a street named after you and, you know, the kind of accolades that have been laid at my doorstep and at my, my feet. I'm more, most proud of it, how good the music sounds today. And I bet you if you ask Robert Lamb and Jimmy Panko and, uh, you know, Peter Cetera, you know, they'd say the same thing. You know, what they're most proud of is how well the music is held up and sounds, still sounds great. And does, you know, and, 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 you know, how, how beloved the Chicago songbook is, you know, to the people, to the fans, you know, to the music lovers. So. Yeah, I must say I was in the salon getting my hair cut and I was telling my hairstylist that I was going to be interviewing you and I held my breath when I said, you do know who Chicago is, right? And she said, of course. And I was so thrilled because, you know, she's probably 20 years younger than me and I thought how awesome that is that the music just spans so many generations and as you just said, it has stood the test of time. Yeah, it really has. You know, it's just a great feeling, you know. So thinking about that setup that I did to that question, though, about back in the day, as they say, 
advice for young artists you said before that that you do work with young artists what advice do you have for those people who didn't even know those days that i just described and and they are in the streaming age they're in the social media age especially tiktok right now you know i would just say go back and listen and read and and you know read about the history of it and how it evolved and where it started and learn as much, and enjoy it and learn as much as you can and see where see what got us to where we are today you know i mean you know streaming you know it used to be kind of a dirty word for many of us because we didn't get, we hardly got paid uh, you know for what our work and but that's changing and getting better again and it's now it's the the music is, you know, no one ever thought that we'd have our whole catalog of music, you know, on a, on our phones, you know, and and you hook it up with a, you know, a good set of earpods or you know Beats or whatever, you know, and you're grooving. And then now now Dolby's got this new standard for surround called Dolby Atmos, and it takes listening to a whole other level, which is finally, you know, where, to me I felt like Chicago, the music really felt. You know, where you'd go to a movie and you could see, you know, you could see all these amazing CGI effects. Uh, well, now music is starting to finally have this, you know, take you to another dimension with it, you know, with sound and placement of sound. So, I don't know, it's an exciting, it's kind of a, it's kind of an exciting time because there, there's a, you know, you can, whatever you want is at your fingertips, you know, and, um, yeah. There's there's no limit as to what you can listen to and what you can access. Yeah, true. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. A few minutes ago, you talked about the, the songbook and the way that it stood the test of time. We've covered a lot, and, and we could probably do so, so much more. But as we head into the home stretch here, I wonder if your answer is different to what I'm about to ask you from what you said about the, the songbook. What is it that you want your legacy to be? I, I want my legacy to be about integrity uh, to the music, um, to what I do and to how I live. And, I mean, I haven't always been able to live up to that. I certainly tried. I certainly try, and I try harder today. I want people to, you know, I, I was always stretching to, in the early days, stretching to break new horizons or to fuse jazz and rock. And, you know, that's kind of been going to go on my tombstone that maybe I, something that I do better than most people is, is seamlessly integrate rock and jazz and other forms of music into my playing and therefore into whatever songs I'm playing. But, you know, always to approach, <clears throat> to treat, treat my music with, with respect and integrity and therefore treat your audience that way, you know? Mm. And, and I think they respond to it with, with you know, with, with appreciation and, uh, I just want, you know, I, just, I want people to always know that every time I stepped on stage, I treated it like it's possibly the last time I, I was going to play. Mm. So I didn't leave, I didn't leave a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot that I I didn't leave on the stage. I pretty much let leave it all there. Wow. Wow. I love that. I love that. I probably should have set you up before I hit the record button today on this next question to give you some time to think about it because I know it's a, a really big question, but earlier when I asked about the move to Colorado, I said, you know, people typically want to hear the sexy stories from a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer about music, concerts, etc. If I had to put you on the spot, and, and it doesn't have to be anything earth-shattering, but is there one kind of fun story, one memory that really jumps out for you? I mean, you've been at this for so, so, so many years, and I know it's unfair to ask you to pick out just one highlight because there's probably hundreds, but is there a fun story that comes to mind? Is there a highlight that, that you can share with us before we start to wrap this up? Yeah. I mean, let me give it, let me give you a, it was in the eighties. Um, there's a, in my, in my book, there's a chapter it's called the hair piece that saved my life. Um, <laughs> you know, if anybody has followed me over the years, they know that they look at my pictures from late sixties, middle seventies that I had actually had hair and then they, you, it, towards the latter 70s, uh, it started thinning quite a bit. And so, you know, as a rock, quote-unquote, rock star, that's kind of a taboo. It was then. It's not now. It was a taboo losing your hair. So, I, you know, I basically got myself a very expensive hair piece. Mm. It was just kind of the, you know, it was kind of the mindset. So 
And when you're wearing a hairpiece, you become like you, egocentric. Every mirror you every mirror you walk by, you're looking at yourself. And a bad hair day is when you put it on crooked, and people are looking at you sideways. And they think they're looking at you straight. So, so, anyways, to make we're we're on tour. This is towards the end of my tenure with Chicago. We're on tour with the Beach Boys, and we're playing a show in Nebraska. And our manager calls me and says, Danny. There's thunderstorms, tornadoes closing in on your... We're playing in Nebraska, Omaha, a racetrack, and with the Beach Boys. And so he said, the Beach Boys have agreed to, to do a shorter set. So basically, you get up there, do a shorter set, get the money, and run. So I'm kind of like, do you really care if I'm okay or not, or is it just the money? But anyway, <laughs> I said, okay, okay, okay. You know, so the hairpiece thing, hairpiece is a, it's like it's a, it's, it's a bunch of hair obviously put up, you know, expertly put on a wire, you know, a mesh, you know, kind of thing that has these edges where you put double-sided tape and you slap it on your head, uh. you know, and in and, and most circumstances that works really, really well. But, you know, if you're, if you got wind, rain, or you jump into a swimming pool, you know, you're in trouble. So <laughs> anyways, you can, you can put if that's the case, you know, you're going to be going into some bad weather with a hairpiece there's this glue you can put on where someone can actually pick you up by it and it's going to stay on your head, you know, and you need, you need a blowtorch to get it off. So anyways, I get, to, I get to the gig, I get to the gig and I look and it's like, I'm looking at the sky, you know, it's pretty dark and ominous, but it's, it's, you know, it's very peaceful. I'm going, what are they talking about? What's he talking about? So I just, you know, hello, Danny, the calm before the storm, you know, <laughs> that's what was happening. It's probably the eye of the hurricane. I don't know. So anyways, I, I slap on the hairpiece with the, with the double-sided tape. Don't worry about it. I'm, and, and we go up and we're playing. There's like 50,000, 60,000 people there, right? And we're Whoa. playing and the wow. wind, kick, all of a sudden the wind is, the wind is kicking up. And, and the scariest thing, the scariest feeling I've ever had in my life. Mm. I can feel the wind getting under my hairpiece. <laughs> and it's like, and the rain, and the rain is coming and I'm going, oh, dear Lord. I know I'm a sinner. I know it can please don't do this to me. Don't make that thing fly off during the performance. So we're playing and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got, basically it's getting to where I'm playing. One hand is on the top of my head, holding that thing on. I'm playing one hand. And the guys in the band are just like, you know, they're playing like there's nothing. Said. I'm going, what, what, what the F is, what's going on? So, <laughs> why, they, why do they not realize this? this is, you know, they, they weren't thinking about my hairpiece flying off. They could care less. So, so I'm, I'm like, it's flapping at this point. It's flapping, and the back of it's flapping with the wind. The front of it's flapping, you know. And, and it's like, I'm going, oh, God, it's going to go. It's going to go. So during Saturday, we started Saturday in the park. We were probably a third or quarter, you know, a quarter of the way through the set, maybe even further. And I just said, I'm getting out of here. So I put, throw my sticks down. I get off the stage. Everybody looks at me and kind of follows me. You know, I mean, I'm sure they figured. So we we jump on our bus and barely, barely get out of the racetrack. I mean, the rain, the skies open up. You know, so wow. We get we go. We actually leave. We barely. We had to cancel like the whole week of, of shows because equipment got damaged. Mm. And just, <clears throat> so I get back. So the next show I come to, my drum tech walks up to me and says, "Hey, lucky you left. Lucky you got off the stage. You know, ten minutes after you left the stage, fifteen minutes." The lights came down on the drums. Oh, it just gosh. pulverized my drums. Wow. So, hence, you know, I wasn't even worried about, honestly, I wasn't worried about my well being. I was worried about being embarrassed, okay? Mm. So, it really taught me a lesson. Like, to be honest with you, at that point, at, from that point on, I got rid of my hair pieces and, and went natural and, uh. you know, uh, you know wore, wore a lot of hats and caps, and they still do, but, you know, so, hence, the hair piece that saved my life. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And folks, you heard Danny say that that is in his book, which is called Street Player, My Chicago Story. Meanwhile, we are going to close with a Chicago song that Danny co-wrote, which, wow, was sampled in 2013 for a dance hit by the Bucketheads and then later by rapper Pitbull for one of his hits. Danny, before I let you go, share with the audience about the track that I'm going to play called Street Player. Well, you know, Street Player is is an auto, it's autobiographical. You listen to it, it's about my life growing up and, you know, just 
what it was like and what it meant to, to, to translate, you know, where I came from in Chicago, the, the culturally into music and what my career and, uh, this, this, the, uh, launched, well, it was, it, I wrote it in, I wrote it with David Hawk Walensky, the keyboard player with Rufus and Shaka Khan, and a close dear friend. And, and we wrote we wrote a few songs, but that was probably the, the most notable. And uh, our, t- our producer at the time, the late great Phil Ramon, I said, Phil, let's you know, Rob Stewart had just had a huge hit with "Do You Think I'm Sexy." Mm. I said, let's make a great, let's make just the best disco record of all time, you know, musically. <clears throat> we Maynard Ferguson. We got Maynard Ferguson to do a trumpet solo. Mm. Ayrto Morera, percussionist, and Peter Cetera did an amazing vocal performance. James Tanko did a great horn part, and, and it's a, it's a, it's a song that I'm truly proud of. So we do the song, we record it, and you know, and kind of trying to break it into disco. We're trying basically, you know, trying to do something special with disco, right? So, anyways, uh, we, the song gets released. The record company puts a ton of money in video, and we're one of the first. You know, you know, videos, you know, that, you know, music videos. And so what happens is all of a sudden there's this movement in Chicago, anti-disco movement, uh, by this disc jockey by the name of Steve Dowell, really, really well-known disc jockey at that time. And he caught, and he, he, he organized a rally at Kaminsky Park, the baseball stadium for the White Sox. And it was, it was disco, it was called Disco Demolition after the White Sox game. It was, everybody had to bring their, most hated disco record, and throw and burn it in effigy mm. on a pile, right? And and the, guess whose record was on the top of the pile? Oh no, Street Fighter. And oh my God, it destroyed me. It destroyed me because it was really it's a great piece of music. And I was uh, I was rehearsing my Grammy speech and everything, you know, in the closet. <laughs> and and I just it just everybody looked at you like, oh, great idea, man. Mm. You know. So it was it was it was our biggest it was my biggest and the band's biggest failure. So you know it licked my wounds went into the basically I hadn't I wouldn't stop writing I didn't write for a long time, and then I left the band and then I get a call in Colorado, right? And this guy's with English accent. I'm terrible with English accent, so I'm not even going to attempt it. And he said, you know, we've been looking all over for you. Our our, our band it's a record company calling me. Uh, our band, the Bucketheads. Every had sampled Street Player, and then lo and behold, it, it, it's exploding in Europe and in the dance clubs. Mm. And he said, he said, I talked to your your co-writer uh, David Wolinski, and he agreed to sell the rights for fifteen hundred dollars. And I said, he said, and he said, then he said, he said, you're going to be a good guy and work with us. And I said, I said some ex- expletives that I don't want to say. And, <laughs> and, and I said, are you, are you are you effing kidding me? I said, you use our you know, so. Anyways, there was one of the early samples that, and he didn't. They didn't get a clearance, so we had him. We had him by the, you know what? And so I, I sigged my lady, the lady that takes care of my our copyrights, and she, she got a third. She got us my hawk a third. I got a third, and then the, the guy who put together the thing, and it became it was the, the biggest dance hit in Europe. Mm. Um, what year was that? That was nineteen ninety. It was nineteen ninety eight, and and so. Uh, it was like God's way of saying, you know, you wrote a great song, but you really got out ahead of yourself, and I had to knock you down. So here, here's a little. This is a, a little bit of you know your payback for writing a great wow. song, wow. and you know, it, and, and that and it was huge. It was huge. You won an ASCAP award. So ten years, time marches on. Ten years later, 2008, I get a call from the gal, the same gal. She said, Hey, Pitbull wants to Pitbull sampled your song and wants to release it, but he wants to get you your okay. I should tell him. Go ahead and release it, right? Hmm. And and that was huge. That was even bigger than than the one in, in 1998. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was the biggest. It was like the biggest record in the world. Kelly Ocho, I know you want me. And so it was. You know, it's it's just a, a wonderful story of how what was your biggest failure turn can can turn around and be your biggest biggest success. So wow. I've been very lucky, and that's that's a great example of you know. You know, it's my good fortune that I've been really, you know, able to experience. So, Amen. Amen. Wow, what a great, yeah. what a great yeah. story! What a great way to end. That's that's tremendous. So many lessons in that story. So many lessons in this whole conversation, Danny. An absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been so wonderful having you on now here this entertainment. Thank you, Bruce. Yeah, have a great, great day. Okay, my friend. Take Thank care. you. Thank you. God bless look you. Look forward to meeting you. I look, look, 
You too, my friend. Likewise, likewise. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to drummer, composer, producer, Danny Serafin. Do visit his official website at dannyserafin.com. Again, I will have a link to his website on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Once you land on Danny's website, be sure to look for the store section so you can see all the music, his book, the merchandise, lots of it available there. Remember, too, about the tour dates section as well. Of course, keep up with Danny online so you can see where and when you can see him and California Transit Authority perform live. Follow Danny on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I did all three of those myself this morning, and I'm sure he would appreciate you doing the same For that matter, tell Danny that you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Remember that California Transit Authority's music is on Spotify, so give them a follow on there, and it's available for digital downloads on iTunes. If you like Now Hear This Entertainment, this episode, others before it, every episode, feel free to let me know as much by way of a here you go, thanks for what you do, Bruce, by going to my podcast website, nhte.net and then utilizing the yellow logo there that says buy me a coffee. It's not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with a chain or a brand. It's simply a way for you to send me a virtual toast, you know, two coffee mugs bumping together. Anyhow, check that out. Put a note on there with it and know that I'm grateful for your support of this podcast. That's going to do it for episode 473. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with a song by Chicago. This is the one Danny just talked about. It's called Street Player. Streets